Make sure you turn on your mic. Yep. Scripture reading today will be from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And this is the birth of Jesus. Some families do this on the regular on Christmas, and some don't. But here we are together, so let's hear this 
Story of Jesus' birth, the birth of Jesus, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor in Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This time we have a couple of young people who are going to play piano for us. First, it'll be Abraham Menser. come and do this. Now Vera is going to play and she's going to play Carol of the Bells. <laughs>
Praise the Lord for all those kind of things that we get to hear and enjoy. And uh, We have quite a few uh, learning piano and getting to play, and uh, we're grateful for Selah, who I tried talking to playing a song, but she wouldn't play it for us. So She'll just keep playing hymns, and we're happy to have her play hymns. So turn in your hymn books to 105, O Come All Ye Faithful. Gracious Father, we're so amazed at what you did as you remind us of the coming of your Son to this earth. We're grateful for his presence. We're grateful for the, him coming to die for us, for rising again, for the victory in that, that we have victory over the grave and that we will live forever, and then for his return that we look forward to, one day to see him. <clears throat> and to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. We look forward to all of that, Lord, because of the work of your Son. Thank you for the stories that remind us, telling us of your coming. 
Help us to be reminded constantly of what it took for you to care for our sin, that we might find the victory in all of that and the joy in knowing you. So Lord, as we worship you today with song, as we worship you today with the preaching of the word, as the children help in that worship, we're grateful for the many voices that can worship you in many ways. Thank you for this time to be together. We pray for those who couldn't be out, that they might be able to enjoy this service through the internet, but also that they might enjoy this day remembering that it's a remembrance of your Son coming to this earth. We'll praise you for that, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, stand and sing a chorus. One course, Emmanuel Hellwood Manger Ground. What hope we hold this silent night? A king is born in Bethlehem. Our journey long, we seek the light that leads to the hallowed manger ground. What fear we found in the silent age, 400 years can he be found, but broken by a baby's cry, rejoice in the hallowed manger ground. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God incarnate, here to to bleed, a crown of thorns would pierce his brow, and we beheld this offering, exalted now the King of Kings, praise God for the hallowed nature ground, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. Thank you. 
be seated. <clears throat> do a special number this morning. We're going to do a holy night for you. Shining, it is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul. Worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Your king be 
to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we with all within us praise his holy name Christ is the Lord oh praise his name forever his So now we're just going to go right into Josh's preaching. Those ages, four to se- three to seven, are dismissed four. to join the church. Four to seven, that is four. Four to seven. Yeah. I'll get it right someday. And those eight nines have clipboards. pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your ministry to us today. We're here today to hear from your word. We're here today because we believe you were born and that you lived and that you died to save your people from their sins and that you rose again and that you're coming again. I pray that uh, this message will continue to go out across the world to every end and every corner. I pray that it will continue to affect both the farthest reaches of the world as well as uh, the depths of each of our hearts personally. And that we would take that to our neighbor and then our neighbor's neighbor and so on and so forth. 
until one day every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Some of you guys drove in some serious weather. And if this is not true, it's a big waste of your time. Like to come here today is absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely a waste of your life if this is not true. If this is not true, why are you here? If this is not true, why are we praying? If this is not true, why are we reading? If this is not true, why are you giving of your money and your time? If this is not true, it is foolishness. It is other, like, ridiculousness. When you mock the Mormons because they believe that you get your own planet and you get a bunch of wives, and when you mock Islam because they get 70 virgins, if this is not true, this is just as stupid. But if it is true, it is everything, and that's it. This is it. It leaves you no other way. It leaves you no other direction to go. If this is true, this is your home, and you have everything here in Christ. Because people have invested their lives in Buddhism, and they've built monuments, just as they've invested their lives in Christ and built monuments. People have given up their lives for stranger religions, for sure. But if this is true, it is everything that people have been waiting for their entire lives, especially the Jews. As Matthew is talking to them in the genealogy that we read last week, Matthew chapter 1 and through, he's saying, he's here. The one you have been waiting for is here. Let me prove it to you. Let me show you in his genealogy that he is the Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. You are not wasting your lives. You are not wasting your time. After showing that Jesus was in the line of David, and if you want to turn your Bibles there to Matthew chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 18. Make sure you follow along. Matthew continues on to show that Jesus was born of the virgin, the virgin named Mary, the son of Joseph. These are people and names and places and spots that you could have gone to there, people that you could have met, a Jesus that you would have heard about. So when he uses names, places, dates, times, it's because they're real names, places, dates, times that you can check out yourself. Speaking to his contemporaries, maybe earlier than 50 AD. This is what he says in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. Just to stop there, I do this a lot of stopping throughout here. He just continues to call him Jesus Christ. Jesus the anointed one. Jesus the chosen one. That is what Christ means. Again, Christ is not his last name. Christ gives him meaning. It would be like Joshua the king. Don the chosen one. 
You don't throw that on somebody unless it's true. Otherwise, it's weird. It's ridiculous. It's foolish. They don't deserve it. They're not worthy of it. Jesus Christ is saying something where Matthew could lose his life. He could be stoned. He's saying something utterly ridiculous unless it's true. And he's going to give up everything for this that he believes is true. In fact, Matthew's uh, Levi, right? The tax collector. This is Matthew. And he gives up what he had held so tightly to, to follow Christ. Because he believes something supernatural happened. Something otherworldly, something not normal, something not average, something not everyday. But the birth of Jesus Christ came about. It happened. His mother Mary, she was pledged to be married to Joseph. Again, these names are important. Real places, real times, real things that happened. Betrothed or pledged, this is important to understand. You know, you might have heard it year in and year out, but it's good to remember, especially for children who might not have understood this, is that to be betrothed is more than to be engaged. You are basically married. Nothing is going to break this but a divorce. So Joseph is betrothed. She is betrothed to him. They are recognized as a couple now. And in order to break that, you needed a divorce. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. There's a few reasons why it's important that he points this out, that she was with child through the Holy Spirit. Besides the conversation like Joseph and Mary had to have where she's explaining to him, uh, it's not me running off with another guy. I swear to you, I had a vision and the angel told me that I was going to conceive and bear a son and it's from the Holy Ghost. Like That's a conversation enough in its own that they would have had, trying to explain to Joseph how it works. When nothing like this had ever happened before, ever, it's not like Joseph would have been like, oh, I understand, that also happened to so-and-so. There is no reference for that. There is no in vitro fertilization. There is nothing like that. It is unique, completely, holy. Joseph would have been like, I've heard some great lies, but this one is on another level. But it's good that she was with child through the Holy Spirit for a few reasons. Number one, like we talked about last week, Joseph could not be the father of Jesus by blood and have this prophecy be fulfilled. If he would have been by blood, he would not have been a valid Messiah. Because like we talked about last week, uh, Jeconiah and all of his kids were cursed. They no longer could be on the throne of David. And if Jesus was going to be in that bloodline, a child of that king, then he would have been disqualified. But he was not. He was not a blood relative of Joseph. He was a blood relative of Mary. So therefore, he's still qualified in that line. Also, Jesus had to be born of a woman and therefore be human while also being God. Because we are born in Adam, we are born flesh and blood, we have sinned. And we need a representative. We need someone to substitute for us. God is not the substitute for us in himself if he is not also a man. He could not have kept the law 
unless he was a man. He could not have died unless he was a man. God cannot die. Right? He was hungry. He bled and died. He was hung. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was ridiculed. All of these things because he had to become a man. So he was both fully man and fully God so that you and I could have the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Also the perfect righteousness in our place. When God says you should not lie, but you lie anyways, you need a substitute. You need someone who did it right. Jesus never lied, never lusted, never stole, was never proud, was never selfish. He came to serve, to give, to heal, to rebuke, to set things right, to speak only the truth. There is no one who can raise their hand and say, I did all of that. So if you stood before God, you would have no righteousness of your own. You need someone else to give you their alien or other righteousness. So because Jesus was man, he could do that. He fulfilled the law. And because he was God, he could also pay the price for the sins of all who would believe. Man cannot do that. You're finite. You don't have it within yourself to pay the full weight of what God is owed. Only God is infinite. No beginning. No end. And so he, therefore, can pay. He's also all-powerful. He can bear the weight and the wrath of God on himself. If he was not both God and man, he could not do that. And you have the perfect man, God, Christ Jesus. The anointed one, the chosen one, foretold one. Three, this also fulfills a prophecy. Simple as that. We looked at before Isaiah 7, 14, a virgin will be with child. And his name will be Emmanuel, which means simply God with us. So one, Joseph couldn't be the father by blood or he wouldn't be able to be the Messiah. Two, Jesus had to be born of a woman. Not just God, not just man, but man and God. Three, he fulfills the prophecy. He is the one that Isaiah talked about. Verse 19, because Joseph, Mary's husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her. Quietly. This shows a lot again about the character of Joseph himself, and again about the fulfillment of prophecy, and about the way God works out, even in sinful man, his good and his glory and our good as well. Because Joseph was a good man, he didn't have her stoned, which he could have done. If she was an adulterous woman, he could have called her out and said, here she is, this is not my child. He could have also divorced her and made her a laughingstock because he didn't want to look like a fool himself. Like he wasn't man enough, like he wasn't strong enough, like he wasn't capable enough. So she ran off with some other guy and made him look like a fool. But instead he was going to, put her away quietly so that she would have more opportunities and a better future and not be a laughing stock of the town. Maybe before she was showing too much, he would say, we'll have a quiet divorce. No one needs to know as much as is possible. He was a gracious man, a man of God. 
and he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He was very loving, considering the humiliation that he would have had to bear. He could have done it as quiet as he wanted to, but he still would have had to bear that humiliation. It's interesting, too. You see God's omniscience, that he knows all things, he has all knowledge, that he knows every thought that you have. And so it says, he had in mind to do this thing, but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Pause there for a minute. Just take all that in. The fact that you have a thought today, A thought that seems okay. A thought that seems like it might be right, whether good or bad. And God is listening to every single thing that you think. He knows it. He knows it right now. I'm too cold. Smells a little bit in here. Like, uh, how long do you think he's going to go today? Because I got something on the oven today. Right? Even the good things. You know? I love that my parents are so generous or that my children were so happy, right? Even the good things that we're thinking right now. Or Jesus is so good. He's so great. He's so wonderful. He knows it. He knows your thoughts. And he provides for your thoughts, right? So you may even be thinking to yourself, God, I need this thing today. You're not praying. You're just thinking, this is what I need today. And he provides those things. Before you even pray, Before you even ask anybody else, before you throw your need on Facebook, he already knows and he's already dealing with those things with you. And he uses different things, people, angels, the weather. It doesn't matter to get what he wants. He can use it all for your good if you're his child, for his glory all the time. The snow today uh, didn't throw God off. It might have thrown you off. But it didn't throw God off at all. My family, half of them aren't here. That's fine. They're right where they're supposed to be right now. You're right where you're supposed to be right now. But David had this in mind. This is a good thing. This is what I'm going to do. He's doing the best that he could with the situation. And he thinks he knows what he should do. And the angel comes to him and says, Joseph, son of David. Well, Paul is there again just to say this. He calls him Joseph, son of David. Letting Joseph know, I know you're the son of David. I know there's this child right here. I know that you're a good and righteous man. Son of David has to do with some of that. But he says this, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Again, we don't have all this insight, so I don't want to go too far into thinking what the conversation already was with Mary. But it is quite possible that she said, Joseph, I am pregnant from the Holy Spirit. And he said, you're absolutely out of your mind. And then he has a vision of an angel. And the angel says to him, your wife is conceived by the Holy Spirit. And he later has to apologize to Mary. You were right. You would not believe. So now they're both having these visions of these angels telling them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. So now Joseph knows it. Mary knows it. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her 
is from the Holy Spirit. If nothing else, now for sure they are discussing this child on another level. The angel has called him son of David. This child is now his. If I take him home, Joseph knows that, and if I take her as my wife, this is my firstborn child. If I have another child with Mary, he's not my firstborn child. This is my heir. This is my firstborn. This is my name in the line of David. Same with Mary. This is my heir in the line of David. This is him right here. It would require a visit from an angel to convince him to stay with Mary and raise Jesus as his own. And that was the best way. Right? He thought he knew the best way, but required God to show him there is a better way. Again, just a side note, the same is true with us. The same is true. That is why we need to fellowship with one another. This is why we need to read the scriptures. This is why we need to come together as a family uh, to serve here. Because we think in our loneliness, I know the right way and I know the right thing to do. Uh, But scripture helps us to discern what is the better thing. And each of you have studied more in a certain area than someone else. And so I say, I have this thing that I'd like to do and I think it's the best way. And someone says to you, ah, I just read the other day. This is the better way. And so we come together not just to listen, not just to do our duty, but to be reoriented in the truth of God's word. To reorient our lives toward the truth. That Jesus is Lord and he is the Messiah and he has fulfilled these things and he is coming again. And therefore this is how you ought to live. With joy, with peace, with hope, with forgiveness, with mercy. Handing it out because so much was given to you. On Christmas, it's funny, right? Because oftentimes you give your kids money to buy something for someone else. Now, half the time, all they're thinking of is, I wonder if I only spend $2 on my sister and I have $18 left, I wonder what I can get for myself. Right? But it's easier to spend money on someone when that money is not coming from you. Right? My dad gave me 20 bucks. I'm going to spend $19.99 on this gift for my whatever. My dad, my mom, my friends, whatever. Because the money's not coming from you. The forgiveness that you have comes from Christ. And when you give it, it's not coming from you. It's coming from an overflow of what Christ has done for you. Your joy is an overflow of what Christ has done for you. Your patience overflowing onto other people because Christ was so patient with you. And so this helps to reorient your life in that way. If God could humble himself... Uh, I can humble myself. I should be able to. I'm not God. I'm not a king. I'm not a ruler. I have no power. I'm not omniscient. I'm not omnipresent. I have not always been, although I will always be. He's so wonderful in that way, just to give so that we can give. And we as Christians should be able to give the freest because everything we have is from God. You can work all you want to, but if God wants to take it away, it's gone. A lot of people you watch online, oh, I'm a self-made man, I work a million hours a week, or I only work four hours a week, but I make a billion dollars, and blah, 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 me, 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 you can do it too, you just, little do they know that all came from God. Every penny and every breath. 
We as Christians should say, I have been given, I can give as well. None of it's mine. And if it's taken, so be it. God gives, God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 21, she's going to give birth to a son, and you're going to give him the name Jesus. I like this too. You kind of skip past this in the conversation that she'll give birth to a son. This is one more sign to Joseph that what the angel is saying is true. So not only will Mary hear the same thing, but when she gives birth, he'll be able to check. He was right. I had a son. Right? When you're reading that, you don't think, by the way, there's no sonograms. He doesn't know whether she's having a boy or a girl. It's one more sign to Joseph that this thing is true. I made the right decision. He can still divorce her at any time. If she gives birth and it's a girl, who knows what he would have thought. But it's one more sign that this is true. What the angel said is, in fact, true. And so he retains this. He remembers this. And he lives in accordance with what the angel tells him, what God is showing him. Jesus or Joseph would have been aware, too, what Jesus' name meant. Again, we talked about before, Jesus, Joshua, Yeshua, these are all out of the same meaning, which is Jehovah saves, God saves. And he wants people to know that he will save his people from their sins. This is why you're going to call this boy Jesus. Joseph, who is just now grasping the fact that Mary is in fact going to have the Messiah, that he is in fact the chosen one who's to be born, now is hearing not probably what he's expecting. He's probably expecting the Messiah is coming and he's going to save his people from destruction. He's going to save his people from Herod, from slavery, from division. Those things would have made more sense. He's going to bring the people together under the headship of this Messiah. But the angel does not say that. His name is Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Again, it's like the paralytic man who's brought by his friends to see Jesus, and they let him down through the roof. And it's obvious he's paralyzed. It's obvious what he needs, and they set him down, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. And everybody says that's not what he needs. Isn't it obvious, Jesus, what he needs? And they say to Jesus, Who are you to forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus says, stand up and walk. Mind blown. (laughs) Right? So their minds are blown both ways. Who are you to say you can forgive sins? Okay, well, I'll raise him up. He can walk himself. Okay, now what do you say? There's no more after that. You just know the guy stands up. They're angry with him for who knows what reason. And this man walks. It's the same with you and with me. Christ came to save you from your biggest need, which is salvation from your sins. And if he has done that, then that's it. That's what you need. Now that you've been saved, you're free to walk with Christ. You're free to love your wife. You're free to love your children. You're free to give and you're free to serve because you have the best thing already. Christmas on the day where we miss the best thing and we keep looking for the better thing. Oh, this gift was good. What's the next gift? 
that gift's pretty good. What's the next one? It's funny to watch the kids, right? When they get their gifts and they're kind of like looking around the tree like, is there one more gift around there? Who's that gift for right there? Oh, that's for Uncle So-and-so. We'll see him in three days. Okay, but what about that one? Oh, that's for your grandma and grandpa. That one's not for you. Always wanting that one more gift. But in Christ, we Christians should say we have the gift. The gift is given in Christ. What else do I need? Should I die today? I have everything. Should I hunger today? I have everything. Thirst today? I have everything. Suffer today? I have everything. And so on and so forth. Jesus is the best thing. Otherwise, it's foolish. You're wasting your time if this is not true. What a waste of your life if this is not true. And in our heads, it's hard for us to say that because you're like, well, I'm more loving or I'm more giving. or I'm. But who cares? If you're just a mistake, if you're just rocks banging in the universe, then none of this matters. It has zero significance but for a split second. And even that is meaningless. It is Christ who gives us meaning. It is God who is the foundation of all things. In our lives, he holds them in his hands. You are valuable because of God. Otherwise, you're nothing but dust. And to dust you will return, and that will be it. Done. So we need to reorient and live our lives in such a way where this is true, you know it's true, but maybe you've been veering off one way or another, right? Sports are the best thing, money's the best thing, Fox News is the best thing, like whatever it is is the best thing. Our president this year is the best thing, next year is the worst thing, whatever it is. Jesus is the best thing, it's done, he's there, it's finished. He's paid the debt, he's risen from the dead. What else is there to do but trust in him with your life? He has total control. All this, verse 22, took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This is what we talked about. This is a reference back to Isaiah chapter 7. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. All of this, <clears throat> says all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. What is all of this? Some of it we heard about, right? Uzziah had to be king. Abraham had to be given the promise, right? Mary had to be in the right place, right time. Joseph, right place, right time. He had to marry her so that Jesus could be in the line. Uh, Mary had to be a virgin whenever they were married, Um, She had to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and so on and so forth, all the way back to Adam and Eve and the first promise in Genesis 3.15, like we talked about before, that the serpent would bruise her heel, but the seed of the woman would crush his head. And Jesus did that. He defeats death. He crushes the head of Satan. These are all of this. All of this took place, all of it, to fulfill what the Lord had said, that the virgin should be with child. Everything up to this point, all of history up to this point, leading up to Christ. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Again, I think what a wonderful conversation they must have had. 
Mary and Joseph. And now it makes sense that Mary and Joseph are so tightly bound that they would walk for 80 miles back to Bethlehem, back to right, meet the census to fulfill the requirements, to bring their son to the right place in the right time. Oh, Bethlehem, right, was supposed to be such an insignificant place. But in Scripture, that's one more prophecy. That Bethlehem would be called great because Christ was born there in this place, the Savior of the world. And not to be funny in verse 25, but this is another reason why Joseph was a good man. He had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Simple fact. He did not sleep with his wife until she gave birth to a son. And later, she has other children. Jesus has other brothers. But for this time, he did exactly what was expected of him. He obeyed completely. He trusted God now fully. And again, their union was so unique in that they had the same promise that through them was the Messiah. There was no other hope. If you look through the genealogies of both, it ends right there. There is no other possibility for a Messiah other than Christ. That's it. That's your only chance. You feel bad for the Jews who are still waiting. He's here. He's already come. It is what it is. So he has no union with her. So nobody could say, ah, I think that was from you. Ah, I think Now they could have still said it, but Jesus does many proofs and many wonders to say, I am the Messiah. Besides just this. We don't hear a lot more about Joseph after these verses here. You really don't get a lot about Joseph at all. You get a little bit more about Mary, uh, but not much more about Joseph. But I'm sure, like Mary, that he retained these things, these memories, this conversation. He watched Jesus grow up. He saw him teaching in the temple and said, where have you been this whole time? Didn't you know we were worried about you? And continued, probably like Mary, to treasure these things in his hearts. To remember these things as he watched. I mean, geez, what would you do if somebody told you, by the way, your son's going to be president? And you're looking at him going, looking for any sign that he's going to be president someday. Now, all of us are like, probably not my kid. But Joseph is watching this kid grow up different. Right? All of a sudden, wise men show up to give your child Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Years after he's born. So you're waiting, you're watching him, like teetering and tottering around. You're like, I don't know. And then here's a little more evidence. The men see a star in the sky and they follow it. And it takes them all the way there. And they see the child and they worship the child. Once again, reaffirming who he is. He is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. He is the anointed one. He is the expected one. He is the one that you've been waiting for all this time. He is. I think it is obvious that this is true. I think it's obvious because God has made it obvious to me 
and to you who believe. And so you can see no other way. Like, obviously it's true. But I think if you weren't so blind, you'd see it in everything. Because of Christ, what is today's date? December 25th, 2022 A.D. That just means the year of our Lord. The year of our Lord Jesus Christ, if you spread out the whole thing when it was first said. And that's not only the date here, starting at zero, starting at the birth of Christ, at least as close as they knew, but that's going out over the whole world. Your packages arrive on time because of Jesus. <laughs> They're late because of us. Uh, but when they arrive on time, it's because zero is when we started dating this place. And you continue out until... The Lord returns, Lord willing. Christians, because of Jesus personally, think about the change in your parents because of Christ. Maybe your parents didn't know Christ, so then think of the change in your own life because of Christ. Think about the change of your parents' parents. Think about the change in the men who founded this country. Those who were missionaries abroad. Those who lived in the time of the Romans when they were sacrificing their infants. And the Christians said, no, because of Christ, this infanticide is wrong. Think about the tribes where they would take and when the husband died, they would sacrifice their wives and kill them right with the husband. And the Christians said, no, infanticide, genocides, all these things have been stopped because Christians said, no, Christ would not have it that way. The hospitals you go today, St. Jude, St. This, St. That, is because of Jesus. The colleges that you have the option to go to, the majority of them, if not all of them in the beginning, were set up to train men to be pastors. They were set up to train people to read the Word, so that they would understand the Word, so that they would know the good news, so that they could teach their friends. The health care that you get, and the freedom that you have here, all these things that spread throughout the world are because of Jesus Christ. Had He not been born, this world would be absolutely tragic. But more importantly, your sins would not be forgiven. You would have no hope. You would be left and dead in your sins and transgresses. There's a pastor. He preached a sermon called One Solitary Life. And one part of it, just one part of it says this. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as one single solitary life, Jesus. Could not be more true. Most importantly, there has not ever been a man, nor will there ever be a man, whose name is Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You might meet a Jesus out there somewhere, but he's not here to save you from your sins. Someone already did that. His name is Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And I hope that today that this is not true for you, but that you believe that it is true because it is. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of this story. We thank you that our sins can be forgiven, that we can put our trust in you, our perfect Savior, and our hope in you, our perfect Lord. 
pray we can rest in that today, share that today, worship you today, until you come again. And we worship you forever with our brothers and sisters. In Christ's name, amen. Oh, we're waiting for them to come up. I have a gift to give. We did have a pastor for and a wife for half of this year, so I'm hoping to receive your gift. <laughs> he will look the way he often does while he's preaching. You know how that is, right? He smiles a lot, but he cries when he does it. His wife can come up. It's for both of you. <clears throat> Merry Christmas. We're, we're very pleased to have you for so long and glad you're still here. As soon as the children come, they're going to lead us in our next songs. And uh, they should be here shortly. They have to organize, you know. So all children will be coming and they will sing. Silent Night, which is actually in there for us to sing. And then they will sing John 3.16. They'll sing one verse in John 3.16. When they get done, they will sing it again. And we're to sing with them. Cheryl will explain this probably again. And then they're going to do King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And you're going to sing that one with us too. Okay? Do a few more things with it. We might have sticks and other things that are going on. Just enjoy this time
Thank you. 